Fantastic. Hey, uh, why don't you just turn in your Bibles to John chapter 7, and we're going to start at verse 37, verse 38, and 39. Righty. On the last day, this we're going to talk about this morning, it's called the, the Great Feast. Everybody say the Great Feast. Here we go. The last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, anyone, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38. He who believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, that out of his heart or out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Amen. I just want to just kind of put this into context a little bit. And um, it's just such an incredible piece of scripture right here. Uh, It starts off on the last day of that great day of the feast. So what they, the context in which Jesus is saying this is is incredibly powerful. So it's, it's important that we understand this in order to understand what's going on here. So one of the things they had, um, it talks about a great feast. It was a, it was a festival. It was, we understand in the scriptures there's, um, there's lots of different feasts celebrating uh, different occasions. And so this one is the seventh and final feast. This feast that they were celebrating was called the Feast of the Tabernacles. Everyone say Tabernacles. It was the seventh and it was the final feast given to Israel. It is sometimes called the uh, Sukkot. S-U-K-K-O-T, or the Feast of the Tabernacles. So the name of the Feast of the Tabernacles basically comes from God's command to ancient Israel to build temporary tabernacles, sometimes called booths. It's also known as the Festival of Booths, to live during the festival. And this was to remind them of their release of slavery and their dwelling in booths when God has brought them out of Egypt. Remember a little while ago, I just talked about that God is bringing us on a project, uh, on a on a process from a place of slavery out of sin into a promised land. God is always bringing us on a journey. All of us are on a hikoi going from a place of uh, uh, poverty into blessing, going from a place of cursing into blessing. God is bringing us forward from a place of death into a place of life. He's not bringing us backwards. He's bringing us forward. (laughs) Forward into a place of promise. Forward into a better place. Forward into a promise of a good land. He brings us out of the the slavery and the bondage of, of, of sin and brings us into a place of freedom where we can enjoy and experience the life of the Holy Spirit. It's not by coincidence that we are, you know, that we've been just bringing these messages and that we've brought in uh, a teaching on the Holy Spirit. It's actually, the Holy Spirit is actually in this whole thing together. He's walking with us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. And, and so it's important that we understand just what God is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing here. So it's to celebrate the release of slavery out of Israel. So this was happening hundreds of years after they had actually been released. They were still celebrating the great release that God had brought them out of a place of slavery into a place of promise. That's what they were celebrating. So in the contrast to the hardship of the slavery, this festival emphasizes rest, peace, and prosperity. So every year for hundreds of years, they would celebrate this, the final it would be their final celebration. It would be fine, the final feast. And they would celebrate, instead of um, being all sadful and sorrowful, reminding them um, about the, the hard times that were hundreds of years ago, they were making a contrast to saying, we thank you for the peace and the freedom and the prosperity that now God has given to us because he has, remo- he has removed us out of slavery and into freedom. 
Amen. God is still doing that with you and I. For all of us, God has brought us out of a place of slavery to sin and bringing us into a place of greater blessing, greater peace, greater prosperity, greater joy. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, one of the things is there is joy. He's wanted to bring joy to us. So this is one of the festivals that they brought, where it met all the needs of people, including strangers, the widows, and the poor. So one of the things that they would do, would they would, they would have wonderful celebrations. They would just be so happy. They would remember that slavery. They would remember that the times that they were slaves and, and in bondage, and they were just told what to do. They lived in poverty. They had to scrape up for every meal. For 435 years, they would scrape up every piece of food that they could find. They, they would live under the harsh rods of the people. So for hundreds of years, they celebrated this great occasion. And instead of reminding themselves of the hardship, one of the things that they would do is that they would release an atmosphere of blessing. So instead of being all sad, they would release blessing. They would release kindness to people. So they'd find widows, they'd find poor people, they'd find very, all these different ones in need, and they would bless them as a reminder that God had blessed them. They would bring joy, they would bring hope to people as a reminder that Christ brought hope to them. This is one of the things that they do. And they did it for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they probably still do it. Thousands of years later, they still celebrate and remember God's setting them free. It's called the Feast of the Tabernacles. So from a spiritual perspective, this corresponds to the joy of knowing that our sins are forgiven. We didn't just get our sins forgiven and then just forget about it. It's like consistently reminding what we said this morning. His mercy is new every day. His mercy is new every morning. Every morning we can celebrate and rejoice that the person that you once were has now been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. Every time that we, we struggle with things in our own heart, we can rejoice because that we have a great high priest that offers forgiveness. He intercedes on us all of the time. That we have a great high priest that offers us forgiveness and mercy every single day. That it doesn't matter what background we've come from. It doesn't matter what we're struggling with in our life. That we, every day, every moment, can find freedom and mercy and joy and blessing. That's something worth celebrating. That is something really worth celebrating. So it recalls God's, it recalls God's um, miraculous provision and, the care, of, and, and, the, and the, the care of deliverance and freedom from bondage. Today, it's also a time where we can remember God's wonderful provision, wonderful sacrifice that he paid the price on the cross of Calvary that you and I can walk in freedom. Amen. And one of these things, so one of the things that they'll do in this celebration, they'll do all sorts of kind of activities. They wouldn't just do one thing. It was a festival. It was a party. They would do lots of fun things. But one of the things that they would do, it was more of an official type thing. They had a a ceremony called the, the water ceremony. It was part of the, the Feast of Tabernacles. So this is part of the, part of the um, things that they would do, is they'd have a water ceremony. It was also the Feast of the Tabernacles that the Israelites, when they returned to build the temple back in Nehemiah, you know that Holy Spirit's been speaking to us about building the temple, building the, building the walls again of Nehemiah? You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So God has been speaking to us as a church about rebuilding the walls of the city. Well, this was also celebrated back then. So when, when, God, when the Israelites came back to return to build the temple 
uh, and Nehemiah, they gather together to hear Ezra proclaim the word of God to them. And so this has also took place at the Feast of Tabernacles. So when Ezra preached, Ezra's preaching resulted in a great revival as the, as the people repented and came back to Christ. So it also is reflective of a, of a great revival of, of, uh, of the Israelites coming back to Christ and coming back into right relationship with him again. These are all some of the things that took place at the Feast of the Tabernacles. But there was a, there was a particular event that took place, and on the seventh day, it was actually called uh, Hoshana Rabbah, H-O-S-H-A-N-A, or the Great Day. And this is where Jesus is making the statement. So one of the things, the most spectacular of the ceremonies was called the Water Drawing Ceremony. So one of the things that would happen is there was a whole parade of worshippers. It wasn't just one or two people. Basically, everybody came out to worship. Everybody came out to worship God for his miraculous setting free. So there were flutes and there was uh, priests. There was all sorts of people coming along. And one of the things that they would do is they wouldn't just walk along the street aimlessly. One of the places that they would go is to the place called the Pool of Shiloh, or Siloam, which means the Bible's which remember from the Bible, it's where Jesus put the, the mud on the, on the man's eyes and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And so this pool of Siloam was a place that means sent. Um, you've got to kind of understand the significance of this in, in a minute. And so one of the things that they would do is what they would go as a big ceremony of, of praising and worshipping, and they'd go up and they would go up to the place, the pool of Siloam. This is, pool was a place that was recognized as, uh, of significant value. It was a place that was significant power. And so they'd go up there, and everyone would go up. And so the priest had got two golden pitchers. So he'd come up with two golden uh, jugs. And one of them, the Bible says, what he would, one was for wine, and the other one was water from the pool. So they'd go up. The high priest would go up. Everyone's worshipping. They'd have two jugs. One would be full of red wine, probably a Shiraz or a Chardonnay or something like that. Who knows? And the other one would be going up to take water from the pool of Siloam. And so the high priest would be leading the procession. And so one of the things that they would do is they, they would play worship songs. They would, they would, they would, the Israelites would not just play instruments, but they would sing worship songs. And one of the songs of praise that they would sing was the psalm that I read to you this morning. Psalm 118. They made a song out of that. And that's one of the things that they would do as they went to celebrate their, 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 uh, their deliverance from, the, uh, from Egypt, their, their freedom and their, the freedom from slavery. One of the songs that they would sing, as I discovered just while I was reading this, was that this was one of the psalms that the Israelites would sing. Psalm 118, the, the one that we just read out this morning. His love, his mercy endures forever. When we're surrounded, I'm not going to, even though I'd fall, I'm not going to die. People try and push me over, but I'm not going to fall over. This was, the, this was what the Israelites sang as they walked up to this procession. So he goes up, and they, they lead up to, this, up, to the, up to the temple through the water gate, and as the trumpet sounds as the priest enters the temple area. And he approaches the altar where there's two silver basins awaiting, and he pours wine into one as a drink offering to the Lord, and the water from the pool of Siloam into the other. So two golden basins. And then the whole ceremony with the whole parade and everyone together, such as joyful occasions, uh, and one of the rabbis wrote, if anyone has not seen this water ceremony, he has never seen rejoicing in his life. It was a place, it was a time where they just went wild. 
Israel just went absolutely crazy with celebration. So, so much so even the rabbis would say, if you have not seen, this, if you have not seen partying like this, Matt, you have not seen partying anywhere. These guys know how to party. Why? Because they remembered the freedom from slavery. They remembered the, the place that God had brought them into. And they were beside themselves. I mean, today we've got big subwoofers and flashing lights that we can kind of praise, but that doesn't, that doesn't, <laughs> there's no match for when people like you and I lift our voices and lift our spirits and praise and worship because of what God has done for you and I. Amen? This is a celebration the Bible says that no one would say, you have not seen a party like this until you've seen this party. We thank God for his bounty and ask him to provide for the rain for the crops. So in this place, water was often scarce. So one of the things that the thing was about the water was that they recognized that the water was, they were dependent upon water for their lives. For those of you that know Israel or know that part of the world, it's a very, very dry place. Nowadays, they have, in places like Dubai, they have um, like desalinators, which just, there's, there's no natural water. Every bit of water that they have to make the place, place green is, comes from desalinators. In that time, they didn't have desalinators, so they were dependent upon the provision of God for water. If you didn't have water, your crops wouldn't, light, your crops wouldn't grow, your cows wouldn't grow, your sheep wouldn't grow, you would die. There would be famine in the land. So one of the things that they, they, the reason why they had this picture of water from the Pool of Salaam was to acknowledge the dependency upon God, that God will provide water and, provide our, and as our source of provision. So this is one of the things that was symbolic of that. And so even today, people are dependent on water. If you take away water from, from society, people go into famine. And spiritually speaking today, people still need a water. People still live today in a spiritual famine in the world. People today are still looking for water. So it's in this context where Jesus stands up and says, if any man is thirsty... So he's standing this in the context where they're celebrating the festival of tabernacles this, and, and right at the end of the ceremony, the water ceremony, where the water drawing ceremony with a, with a great high priest is going up and offering water and wine. It's in this context where Jesus stands up and says, if any man is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, not just for natural water, but if you're thirsty, Jesus was actually talking about a spiritual context because he was prophesying, he was speaking the change from an old covenant into a new covenant, where if anyone is thirsty, today people are thirsty. Today you don't have to look far to see how thirsty people really are. People are looking for water to fill the void, the spiritual void inside of their heart. Some people think that they can fill that void by going through some sort of procession or going through some sort of procedure or going, doing something or being something or going to this particular person or going to that particular person. Going to this ceremony, going to church, going to this, going to that. People try and do things in order to try and fill that spiritual void inside of their life. People think, often think, we can often get into the mentality where we drink from the water that the high priest still supplies. No, no, no. This is what Jesus brought about to change. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Let him come to me, Jesus. 
People are still thirsty today. Some people, you, we, you know, you can, we can come to a church, we can come to a church service, but actually you're still living in a spiritual famine. When people were in a famine, the water dried up. And when the water dried up, no food could be produced. People died of thirst. That was one of the big things that the Philistines would do to try and stop the Israelites and to try and stop their progress was to block up the wells. They knew if they could stop the water supply, they would slowly kill them off. And it's kind of okay for a little while. When you get your water supply cut off, for some people, they panic straight away. But some people, if there's a bit of a trickle of water at their neighbor's place, they could go over there and just put their cup into there and drink from their neighbor's water. Some people, we become so used to helping ourselves to somebody else's water. And we don't understand that actually we're living in a spiritual famine. We get so used to putting our, our cup into somebody else's water flow. Not, and forget that actually we have a well inside of us already. The problem is it's just been blocked up by some things. See, the Bible says, let's read this. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, he's not confining that. He's not confining that to a particular person. Let him come to, if anybody thirsts, that's still applicable to you and I today. It's applicable to our own community. If anybody thirsts, there's no, there's no boundaries on there. There's no caveats on there. It's just if anyone thirsts. If anyone is spiritually thirsty, let him come to me. The Bible says, and he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, then out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. He who believes in me by faith. Belief is not a descriptive word. Belief, believing is not just an idea. In fact, it's not an idea. It's an action word. Belief is, a, is an action. When you believe, you have faith. It takes faith to believe. Faith is an action word. It's an action word. So faith, it's not just about an idea. You, faith is not just an ideal that we live towards. Believing is not an ideal that we just live towards. It's actually something that lives, it's dynamic within our life. It can grow. If it can grow, it can also decrease. Whoever has faith, whoever puts their faith and their hope and their trust in me, the Bible, this is what Jesus is saying. Whoever puts their hope, their faith, their trust in me, then something's going to open up inside of their heart. There will be a well of life that opens up inside of their heart. It's not just about coming to church and listening to the pastor or listening onto something on YouTube or, or anything like that. Whoever believes in me, the Bible says, then out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Notice he says living water. It's called living for a reason. <laughs> Because it brings people back to life. What does it bring? It brings sinners back to life. When you are aware, when you live by faith, when you have an active relationship with God inside of your life, it opens up a well of living water. And that living water comes, and when you interact with people, it kind of brings them back to life. I had an example this week. I spoke to a guy. He's not a Christian. Um, He just asked me as a business consultant to come and have a look at what he's doing. And as I, was to, as I was speaking to him, I started to get into a side of his heart, and I could tell that he was thirsty. And his comments to me was, I just feel like I've been brought back to life again. 
He remembered some of the things that he used to be involved in, and, and, and in just terms of a business context, some of his dreams and some of his things that he used to have inside of his heart. And he felt like he'd just been brought back to life. See, there's something about you that, I don't know, but you've just woken me up again. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You'll bring people back to life. You'll bring hope into people. Fellow Christians will be restored afresh, comforted. Spiritual life is supported. It is expressed by rivers of living water, not just a single river, but multiple. Multiple. God wants you to touch multiple people. There's not just one river. Lots of rivers, living water, bringing hope, bringing life to people, lifting up our world, lifting up the world that we live in today. Now we have a wonderful, wonderful place. We have a great high priest, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit living inside of our heart. He is a well of everlasting water, everlasting life living inside of your heart. Today, you may be here and you may be in a spiritual famine. Maybe somebody's come and just tried to fill up your well. There's lots of things that can try and fill us, block up the wells. Sometimes it's disappointment. Disappointment can be a big one. The Philistines used three things to block up wells. One was dead animals. They put dead animals in there to bring a fence. It speaks of a fence and hurt, death, destruction. When somebody's got a fence inside of their heart, it shuts up that well. When you've got a fence inside of your heart, it will pollute the waters that are coming out of your life. Some people put, sometimes they put rocks in. Hardness of heart. Sometimes people have disappointments, things that, broken dreams, things that they, they thought would work out as, but didn't actually work out as though they would hope. Disappointment can be like a rock that comes in and just blocks up our heart, stops that flow. Some people, it's, sometimes it's just dirt. They just put dirt inside of there. Dirt speaks of the things of the world. I don't know about you, but, you know, the last, last couple of weeks I've just had a lot of stuff going on and, um, you know, just, just things in the world just, not working out and just getting on top. What it does, it blocks up the well. It blocks up the well. Some people, in your, your thought life and your heart, it just blocks up the well. Maybe you're here this morning. You may be in a place of famine. You may, be, you may come to church and maybe drink of somebody else's water, but actually the water has dried up inside of you. Today you need the Holy Spirit to come and unplug that. You need to be able to set yourself free. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and set you free. Whoever believes in me, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to use us to bring hope and to bring life into our own community here, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your family, to the people around you. Whoever believes in me, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Friends, I want to encourage you this morning, don't you let that devil go and shut you down. Don't you let that devil go and try and shut up that well. Don't you let disappointment get inside of your heart. Don't you let the cares of the world try and close you down. Don't allow somebody's offense to shut you down. Don't allow worry. Don't allow, don't allow that devil to come and shut you down. You make a decision today that you're going to be a channel of life and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let you be, make a decision today that you'll be the one that somebody is going to come and drink from, that you're going to provide water, that you're going to provide life to somebody. Provide it to the community around you. Amen? Amen? Turn to the person next to you. You just tell them, don't you let that devil block you up. Don't you let negative people block you up. 
Don't you let some Philistine come and fill your well up with dirt. Don't you let no Philistine come and fill your well up with a dead animal. Get that dead animal out. Amen? Why don't we just stand one more time and let's just worship him this morning. As we start to worship him, if you've got stuff in your heart, why don't you just let it go today. Make a decision. I will be well of living water to the people around me. Amen? Hallelujah.